Alright, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Last week we talked about counterfeits. We talked about counterfeits of religion and how Jesus was the real deal. We talked about him going into Samaria. We talked about a bunch of different things of how Jesus just blew the doors open on what real religion should be. A lot of times you hear things like there's a video to a uh, YouTube deal going around of a guy kind of rapping and stuff like that and he talks about how he hates religion. Well, you know what? He's really talking about a false religion, not true religion because Jesus was a religious man. He he observed every part of God's law. He, he studied in the synagogue and, and stuff like that. So religion itself isn't bad. False religion is. Counterfeit religion is. And today, we're going to continue that. We're going to talk about counterfeit Christianity. I got on a horse one time, many, many moons ago, and this horse, you know, she never would just bust into you. You could always talk her out of it and go around, but it just seemed like a fight all the time, all the time. And the guy that you hear me talking a lot about, oh, Ralph, um, Ralph would just sit back and he'd just watch me ride and everything. And I'd just get frustrated, you know, trying to be light-handed and everything like that. But she just, you know, every once in a while she'd kick up and crow hop. But like I said, you could turn her in a circle and kind of talk her out of it or pull her head up and she'd just keep going and everything. And Ralph finally asked me one time, he's like, well, how's that mare doing? I said, not worth a gum." I said, I just feel like I'm fighting her all the time. And he said, well... You've got a big problem. I said, what? And he said, you're trying to keep the peace with that mare. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you need to have it out with her. I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, next time she does that, y'all just go ahead and have your reckoning. I said, you want me to just give her her head and just let her go, huh? He said, absolutely. She's going to keep trying you until that happens. So the next time I was out there, I was kind of going around. And the first couple of times I forgot because y'all know me. I don't like to get bucked off. So I pulled her up and everything. And then the, that conversation with Ralph came back to me. And I thought, you know what? Next time she does it, I'm just going to throw her nine feet of range and just tell her, let's go, girl. You want to get it? Let's get it. Well, sure enough, it wasn't very much longer when that happened. And boy, I did. I shucked all the range to her. And I reached up and I just went, and I gigged her. <sighs> we had our reckoning. Our reckoning started at about 30,000 feet. And after about four minutes, it probably was more like four seconds, but after about four minutes, I hit the ground. I didn't get bucked off. The ground got cocky and I wanted to give her a break. <laughs> so I wore the ground out for a second and then I got back on her and, you know, we just, we just had it out. And after that, everything went really smooth with that mare. Now, I'm not going to say that we didn't have our disagreements or anything like that, but instead of trying to keep the peace with that mare, I became a peacemaker. And I told her that that was not the way our relationship was going to start, was with a bunch of conflict. She could either straighten up on her own, or we could deal with it in some unpleasant manners. Today, we are going to talk about the difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. In Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 9. Jesus is, get, is teaching his disciples. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard me say this before. I, they, they claim that it was a mountainside. I think he was preaching horseback. But um, he is on, so he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's given what's called the Beatitudes. Blessed are those that this. Blessed are those that that. And he gets down there a little ways. And in verse uh, 9 of the 5th chapter of Matthew, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. What is a peacemaker? And how does that different from a peacekeeper? Has anybody seen the movie Tombstone? Where's Dave at? Oh, Brooke's like, I did, I did, I did. I didn't know if that was Mason or Brooke. Tombstone is one of my favorite movies in the entire world. But if you look at the little derby hat wearing pretty boy, what was he? What was he? The marshal, the town marshal and everything. He kept trying to make friends with the cowboys and, and he just, he tried to keep the peace and did that work? No, it just made it worse because the cowboys are just going to run all over everything. They were running stuff. He lived in a fantasy world where, oh, you know, just let them do their thing and as long as they don't kill too many people, then everything's going to be alright. And then the Earps came in and the Earps are like, uh-uh. This ain't going to be happening like this. So they start cleaning up the town. They make a law of no guns in town. And sure enough, what do they do? Why, uh, Virgil comes up and he said, they got guns down there. <laughs> Doc Holliday's like, I'm ready. <laughs> but they go down there and they confront it. They don't just sweep everything and let's, oh, you know what? Let's pray that they have a change of heart. No, they, I mean, they had to take action. They had given them, I mean, uh, the sheriff had already been killed. By Curly Bill, the Earps in Tombstone were peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Jesus was a peacemaker. He was not a peacekeeper. Jesus didn't care who you were. He was going to speak the truth, not just to start a fight or anything. He was going to speak the truth no matter who it was. And a lot of times we think of peacemaking and conflict, that a lot of times that it happens with, you know, oh, so-and-so over there. Well, it doesn't. A lot of times the peacemaking process, when there's conflict involved, a lot of times it's with our friends and our family. I love it whenever uh, Jesus tells them that he's going to be crucified. And what does Peter do? Oh, Peter, he bows up and he's like, I ain't going to let that happen to you, boss. By gosh, they'll have to come through me before they get to you. And what does Jesus respond with? Does he go, you know what, Peter? God bless you. That was so nice. Y'all give Peter a round of applause for his courage. No. Jesus' tone was actually really stern. In Matthew 16, 23, uh, says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus knew what God had called him to do, and he wasn't going to let Peter or anybody else stand in front of it. Doesn't that kind of seem harsh sometimes? But Jesus wasn't going to try to gloss over the situation and give anybody any false pretenses. He knew exactly what God had called him to do, and he's going to do it. And he wasn't going to let even 
out of all the disciples, there was Peter, James, and John were, his three, were the three amigos that were always with him, that were right there. And even his closest friend, I mean, I can see Jesus turning around and putting a finger and saying, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. Jesus did not care about Peter's feelings as much as he cared about the truth of what God had called him to do. We talked about friends. How about family? That's a tough one, isn't it? How many times has somebody had the audacity to say something to you and it just burns you up because you know it's not the truth, you know it's not right or anything like that, but in order to keep the peace, you just... Mm. Well, I don't want to start any trouble, so I just better keep my little old mouth shut. It'll be okay. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, it says, While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak with him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Now, do you think that somebody actually just kind of put two and two together? Or do you think maybe his mom or his brother sent somebody in there and said, tell Jesus to come out here. That's probably more like what happened. They sent somebody in there, and he says, Hey, hey, Jesus, I know you got like godly work and all that good stuff going on, but your mama wants you. Your brother said, Get out here right now. How does Jesus handle his family in that instance? In verse 48, he said, He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my brothers, and here are my mothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He wasn't going to let anybody come between what God had called him to do. He didn't care. I'm not going to say... And, and you know, we have all heard that deal of uh, honor your mother and your father and everything. He wasn't dishonoring his mother. But he said, you know what? This is what's important. God's message is what's important. And I'm not going to stop that for my friends. I'm not going to stop it for my family. He didn't just try, oh, could you, could you just uh, tell him I'll be right there. He didn't do that. He said, who is my brother? Who is my mother's? Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. In that day and age, families were tight, weren't they, Brad? They were like this. And I'm sure that that raised more than a few eyebrows. And Well, could you believe that Jesus? This might have caused a problem because of the close family structure of Jesus' day, but he was not going to be pushed around by his family or anybody else. He had a mission to accomplish. And he was more concerned about accomplishing that mission and keeping everybody all happy and butterflies and unicorns and pooping out Skittles. Okay? The third thing Jesus was not afraid to do was speak the truth in the community. In Mark chapter 7, 1 through 9, it says this, The Pharisees and some teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled or unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews did not do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of their elders. 
When they came from the mark when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Making everybody making everything clean. It doesn't matter if it was already clean or not, they have to ceremonially do all this stuff. In verse 5, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of our elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Jesus said, Isaiah was right when he said what he said about you hypocrites. Isaiah said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are only human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are only holding to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Now this may not seem like much to you, but imagine that you're at a White House staff meeting and somebody says something stupid. Would you have the courage to stand up and point out that stupidity? Because that's what Jesus did. He was in the community, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The church ran everything. And he just bowed up to them. Now he didn't do it just to hurt their feelings or anything like that. But Jesus was not afraid to speak the truth. He was more concerned about truth than everybody feeling good. And everybody... You know, how many times do you just get sick of everybody that, that smiles at you and just like, oh yeah, everything's fine. And you know, just, just as well, they'd stab you in the back. Jesus didn't play any of that stuff. That's counterfeit Christianity right there. Jesus didn't care who you were. If you bowed up to him with something, it better be from God, not from man. There are other instances such as when Jesus cleared the temple. Does it really sound like Jesus was a peacekeeper? If he makes a, a whip out of some cords and runs everybody out of the deals and even turns over tables and stuff like that? No. See, they were doing things for the wrong reason. And Jesus was more concerned about having everybody understand who God was than everybody pretending and smiling and making sacrifices that didn't mean anything. Jesus in the desert with Satan. Satan offered him worldly peace in exchange for bowing down. He said, if you will bow down to me, I'll give you everything. Because this is my world. Jesus went, whatever, fool. He said that in a godly way, but that's what he said. Jesus defending his disciples for not fasting like the rest of the hypocrites. And that just goes back to another deal of they were fasting, which means going without food, and they were telling everybody, oh, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, look how godly I am, look at how godly I am. And the disciples are over there with a donut. And the Pharisees were like, how come he doesn't fast? How come they don't fast with everybody else? And Jesus said, because y'all are dumb. That's the cowboy version of it. You can read in the Bible is what he really said. But Peacemakers don't make things peaceful. They make them the way God wants them to be. However they have to be. Peacemakers care more about what God thinks than what man thinks. Even Jesus himself said in Matthew 10.34, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, I'm here to tell you today, we need a lot more swords and a lot less peacekeepers. I guarantee you. So what does a peacekeeper look like? 
Some of you might want to pick your toes up and set them on the chair like this, if you can. Peacekeepers are self-centered. They don't want any conflict to ruin their little peaceful, their shell that they've got going on. They're very self-centered. Peacekeepers, what do they look like? They worry about the outcome of a situation, not whether something is right in the eyes of God. Well, what's going to happen if I do that? That's what a peacekeeper worries about. Peacemaker's like, I don't care what happens. This is right. They are always worried about hurting someone's feelings. Peacekeepers, oh, we shouldn't say that. We might hurt his feelings. No, that's a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. They live in a fantasy world where everyone is going to ride furry, stuffed animals and feed each other fancy flowers or something like that. They live in a fantasy world where everyone's going to get along instead of facing reality. They use words like, oh, don't worry about it. You've heard that before, right? It's okay. It's okay. I don't really want to get involved. That's really none of my business. I'd say something, but what if they get mad at me? What if it ruins our relationship and we're not friends anymore? That's what peacekeepers worry about instead of the truth. So what do peacemakers look like? Peacemakers are defenders, not attackers. Before somebody gets it in their head, like, my gosh, I heard you, preacher, I'm going to be a peacemaker, and they just go around just whacking people with the Jesus stick. You're not doing right. Whack, whack. Like a big mad mama cow. No. Peacemakers are defenders, not attackers. Peacemakers share the peace of God, not a peace of their mind. Think about that. Peacemakers share peace from God, not a piece of their mind. Peacemakers confront problems, not people. And peacemakers care what God thinks, not man. So why do we need peacemakers? We need peacemakers to deal with the troublemakers. Think about that. Peacemaker, only a peacemaker can deal with a troublemaker. A peacekeeper will just try to gloss over everything, sweep it up under the, under the rug and, huh, see, I dealt with it. Uh. Doesn't work like that. What do troublemakers look like? It's never about God. It's about their opinion. Well, I think you should... That's what, a, that's what a troublemaker starts off with. They always expect others to change instead of themselves. They're always looking for room for you to change instead of themselves. They let emotions rule them. If, it, if they're in a good mood, it's a glorious day. If they're in a bad mood, everybody can go stick it. They let emotions rule them. They will be your friend as long as you do what they want you to. An enemy if they disagree with you. They are very manipulative. Say no to someone and see what happens. When somebody says something and says, hey, can you blah, 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 say no and see what happens. A friend will respect that. A manipulative person will go talk trash about you. Well, you just don't show the love of God. God's not leading me to do that, hombre. 
How to be a peacemaker. Peacemakers don't go around looking to be a peacemaker. Okay? They will speak the truth even if their voice shakes. They will speak the truth even if their voice shakes. Regardless of who it is they're talking to. They share the peace of God. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a natural outcome of living your life according to the way God wants you to live it, and that's by living and trusting and having faith and hoping that His Son is who He said He is and will fulfill the promises that He said He would. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peacemakers must live holy lives above reproach and seek God's way above all other things. In other words, peacemakers are mature Christians who have come through the fire and come out the other side still living the way God wants them to. You cannot share that which you do not have. So you can't be a peacemaker if you don't have peace. You don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'll be a peacemaker today. Sounds good, huh? Hey, honey, what do you think about that? I got to look good as a peacemaker? That ain't what peacemaking's about. That's like saying, Christy, tomorrow I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I can do that. And those guys train for years and years and years and years and they've dedicated their entire lives to it. You can't no more wake up tomorrow and go, I'm going to be a peacemaker. You worry about yourself. And as God lives and breathes and grows within you, or you grow within God, the natural outcoming will you will become a peacemaker instead of a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers worry about what man thinks. Peacemakers worry about what God thinks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, teach us to be peacemakers instead of peacekeepers. You said that peacemakers would be called sons and daughters of God himself. And let us strive for this. As we continue our ride with you, or maybe just beginning one today, help us to do what you would have us do. Go where you would have us go. Say what you would have us say. And be who you would have us be. Not for our will, and not for our glory, but only for yours. In your name I pray. Amen.